Welcome to the podcast. Hello, and might I just say that it has literally been the longest time since I've done a podcast. I've officially run out of all my buffer episodes. Usually when I make a series, either for web or for television or for podcasting, I usually make around five to six episodes first as a buffer to to test out the the idea of it, to test out um, how to produce it in all stages of production. And when you're releasing an episode every fortnight, or every week, be it as it may, then it's good to have episodes already finished so you're not running around struggling to fill a time slot. Let's start with some news. Have you heard about the IntelliCharger? It's a device which allows you to plug in your iPod, your mobile phones, camera equipment, um, anything that uses a an infolithium battery uh, and recharge it on the fly. So no longer will you have to lug all these different adapters and cables and recharge units just to recharge something. You could just use from one device. And for a filmmaker like me, who likes to film in exterior locations, who likes to travel while filming, um, be it in a vehicle or on foot or whatever, this seems like a very good thing to have. However, I'm I'm entirely not convinced because I'm always thinking about I'm always thinking about the fuel source. What is the fuel source that is powering up the uh, these so-called devices which are so-called portable, right? It, it, there's always needs to be a fuel source in order to generate the electrical supply. Uh, I mean, you could, if you're filming in the outback, for example, you don't want your portable recharger to run out of juice any time. That would be a disaster for the shoot, and it could be a probable safety um, safety risk, and if you want to look at porn on the fly, then you can do that. But I'm always concerned about the fuel source. What what, what is the fuel source? It, you know, it could be petrol, it could be diesel, it could be wood, it could be um, old pieces of plastic. Who knows? But it, there's always got to be a fuel source. And according to my sources, the internet, it um, it's just simply plug it into a wall socket. Now that raises an interesting issue here is the compatibility when you're overseas because Australia has what is called the I the I plug I as in the letter I and and other countries around the world have dis- different systems and different letters I suppose and I'm just worried that you're going to have to spend the extra money to get a a converter they don't Costs really that much. I've seen a whole bunch of converters for North American usage, South America, South American, I suppose, Southeast Asian, European, Australia, and New Zealand models. Uh, the Corjo ones, I've seen them a lot, and they're relatively inexpensive. And you can buy them at most stores, most big department stores and big chain stores and even I, I saw one in like um, a convenience store a, a 7-Eleven and you could go in there and buy one of them uh, while you're buying buying um, fishnets and boxes of chocolates on the way to the train station 
but there is one other cool thing about this this device. It、uh, recognizes the polarity of the contact points of the different batteries, so the right battery has the right charge. This is good, and you know if you don't have the correct the correct plug or the correct contact points, you can. There's also a USB function which which works as well. Which reminds me, I've been turning into a modern human being for a while now. I've been trying to update all sorts of things. I've been trying to get the newest generation of video game consoles. And also, I've been trying to set up a digital television、uh, receiving unit in Australia. Analog television is going to be switched off around 2013, which, presumably, if the end of the world happens in 2012,、um, everything will be naught anyway. Digital television. I've been trying to get digital television reception for a while now. And for the television station that I work for, and by work I mean volunteer for,、um, I've been interested in getting proper clear reception, because my analog boosters get the reception, but they get it. They, they, I get it in black and white, and I get the, the, the crawling ants,、uh, the, the snow, if you will, you know, the, the fuzzy stuff. The, the the fuzzy stuff, the fuzzy stuff that was left over from the Big Bang. Well, no, not many people know that that the sound that you hear when you turn on a、um, a channel, which is spewing that noise, that you know, like,、um, that that sound, it's it's in reality that's left over from the Big Bang. That's fucking weird. But anyway, I've got an SD standard definition. Set-top box. I know, I know. I should have gone for the high definition, but the thing about HD is that it requires more bandwidth, either to broadcast and to receive, presumably, more bandwidth. And I don't really have that. What I've learned so far is that digital television reception set-top boxes they function in proxy with the existing analog equipment. What I mean by this is that if your analog receiver receives poorly, then your digital set-top box connected to it also receives poorly. So, in my case, I have to position my antenna towards the southeast, towards the mountains, in order to pick up decent quality. Otherwise, it's just going to be all those blocky pink blocks, those ugly things, and reception will be ruined. And the reason I got an SD digital set-top box is for crystal clear reception in the first place, especially for the channel that I volunteer for. So it's just really a mess back there. One <laughs>、uh, plug. I've got my my set-top box plugged into a power port. I've got the RF, which is the famous red, white, and yellow. Plugs、uh, plugged into my TV, and I've got the the set-top box plugged into the TV. I also had to fit it with an adapter to actually make it work. And then I have got my analog television booster antenna connected directly into my set-top box. My TV already had an an analog 
automatic receiver, but it didn't really pick it up the channel as well, so I had to get a booster. Ah, uh, so <laughs> I, I just thought it was plug and pray, plug and play, and you know, just plug the setup box and away you go. But apparently, it's not really that simple. The little diagrams that come with it, you know, with that that cartoon with the guy with the moustache saying it's saying it's easy. Well, it's not that fucking easy. And so I needed to get a booster in order to boost my set-top box. Ugh. I just can't wait for HD. Mm. Speaking of turning into a modern human, I recently uh, joined the Wave and got myself a next-generation console. Um, I ditched a retro-tastic PlayStation 2 and finally got a PlayStation 3, which isn't really that exciting, but what... I've played and I've tested both the Xbox 360 and the PlayStation 3, and I'm really interested in the the dynamics between achievements and trophies. Achievements and trophies are sort of like rewards that you get for doing something unique in the game, which isn't part of the game's overall objectives. Uh, Let's take Red Dead Redemption, for example. The aim of the game, it's a sandbox game, you can pretty much do what you want, almost like an RPG. But basically, it is a third-person shooter, and you, you you take on missions given to you by the bosses, and you complete the missions. However, there are some achievements, some, if you do something silly in the game, like, uh, I can't think of it off the top of my head, but I'm just going for it, like if you ride a white horse through a town... You know, something that isn't the game itself doesn't have stats for, but it does a sort of reward on the either on the Xbox 360 Live or the PlayStation 3 network, and you know they just function as as a reward or you know just showing off to your friends like uh, look what I did in the game I'm I'm so fucking cool I got I I hundred percented it because because uh, I remember in uh, um. The earlier days, well, not early days, the PlayStation 2 and the Xbox 360 and the Nintendo, the Dolphin, um, that generation, where you had stats in in the poor screen, and unless you had like a capture card or you took a photo, it was pretty hard to prove to um, the online community forums or your friends that you've beaten the game. 100% of it done absolutely everything and or if or if you had time trials and you had very fast times it was hard to prove it in those days but with achievements it just automatically gets uploaded to the web and I know you can do this with the PlayStation 3 or you can do it with the Xbox 360 you get like uh, what are they called badges let's say um, like a piece of code that allows you to post on Facebook or MySpace or or a form or something a little badge which displays all the achievements and trophies that you've collected. So it's an online thing. You can everybody can see what achievements, what are trophies you've gotten that you've gotten, and you can also see uh, what your friends or your opponents' achievements or trophies they've acquired. And it's a very unique thing. I like to, I like it. In fact, I'm addicted to trophies now. <laughs> I just, that's all I fucking care about. 
it seems kind of arbitrary, but you know, it is fun getting the achievements and trophies in, in video games. And so I've tested both systems out well. The achievements are for the Xbox 360, and it came first, and trophies was added later by the PlayStation 3. They were, they were a little bit late in the game. But however, they're pretty much the same. I know achievements have gamer score, which every time you unlock an achievement, you have certain gamer score. Certain, like, and basically it's just a c- collection of points. And you can use these points to buy, that's buy with an inverted commas, demos, game demos, and short little puzzle games. But the thing about achievements for me is the gamer score system itself. Sometimes really hard achievements have like only 10 gamer score, and really easy achievements have like 25 gamer score, which is which is which is not really that it doesn't it's not a reward system Ga- video games function as a reward and punishment system and i feel it kind of like punishes you for achieving those very hard goals with measly points i think most of it has to do with sponsorship and advertisements yeah you get to see a lot a product placement that's the that's the word i've been looking for that's the word product placement, it's usually cause like that. Uh, yeah. Which, yeah, it makes the kind of thing not really worth it. Uh, well, maybe that's a little bit harsh, but it just sort of sucks it out from me. You know, you get more gamer score from doing something that the sponsors of the game wanted you to do than actually beating this very hard boss in under 1 minute 30. I don't know, I don't know. Trophies on the PlayStation 3, on the other hand, give you a percentage, and not points. For example, uh, if you get... Well, there are uh, several levels. There's bronze trophies, which are easy achievements. Then there's silver. Then there's gold, which is hard. And then there's platinum, which is really hard. And it's a, a better reward system, I feel. So far, I haven't... Um, witnessed or experienced the the sponsorship, the product placement uh, trophies, which I explained earlier about the achievements. But I'm beginning to see the platinum achievements, the really, really hard achievements to get filtered into the... Did I just say platinum achievements? I mean platinum trophies. Platinum trophies. See, even I'm getting confused right now. I'm sorry, but <laughs> if I've confused you, I'm trying my best to explain it um, succinctly in my in my broken English, <laughs> in my my Australian English to explain it as best I can. But platinum trophies, that sort of thing is getting filtered down to achievements. Now trophies came later in the game, and we have achievements we came earlier, adopting something from a later model. And I like the idea of platinum trophies. You know, trophies, tasks, if you will, they're really, really hard to do, and you, and when you get them, you feel great, you feel fine, and you get to show off to your friends. And look, I scored five hundred and forty in Donkey Kong, <laughs> and you're you're the talk of the town. You know, video games are fun. I mean, nothing in the world is fun anymore, 
and video games, with the exception of multiplayer, is the best one you can have when you're alone. Well, aside from masturbation, I suppose, but it is one of the best things you can do when when you're all alone in your house and you've got nothing to do. And um, I've had my own PlayStation 3 for like a while now, and it's it's been good so far. What I am annoyed about is like HD movie, movies and HD games. Yes, they're really, really detailed, but there's sometimes they're so fucking dark. And I know shadows are important to visual graphics, but if there's too much and you can't see the fucking screen, you can't play it. I just wish that the darkness would go away. I mean, I had to set my television to the maximum bright mode, and which causes, which which makes me see the video game and the movies that I play much much better. However, that does make the subtitles harder to read. So it is a double-edged sword, right there. I, I must realize that I'm I am going to play a catch-up a little bit. There are so many good games. Um, I believe I talked about this uh, in another podcast, like all these AAA titles uh, that were all released during Christmas time. And so it's just really running really fast trying to play all these games. Um, You know, just even just for like 10 minutes, I suppose, just get a couple of trophies in there. Yeah, at least it's at least the new year has allowed me some time to play the AAA titles from last year, without having to think about uh, new titles that are coming this year. Speaking of which, um, I'm really excited about a couple new titles here. Uh, they've got the newest Mass Effect Free, which everybody loves. I haven't played it yet. I know I'm a little bit behind. I'll, I'll get to it, but it, it is. I like sci-fi games and I like RPGs, and I love I love video games that well RPGs do this especially well, and most of the Western RPGs anyway that allow you they give you freedom when you're interacting with NPCs in conversation. For example, there was an old game released by Troika many years ago called Vampire. Bloodlines the Masquerade. No, Vampire the Masquerade Bloodlines. Yes, that's right. And whatever race of vampire you chose, be it Malkavian or Ventru or Nosferatu or Toridor or Tremere, whatever, they give you different dialogue options when you're talking to an NPC. I remember the Malkavians, they, they had the standard dialogue that every race has, and then they had special green ones, which you can select, which was specific to Malkavian, and there's also like the red um, dialogue options, which were specific to the Ventru, and stuff like that. I like branching storylines, I like the feeling of having an interactivity with the story, creating my story, being who I want to be. And that really is the point of RPGs such as Fallout 3 and Oblivion. To be as you want to be. It's it's irregardless. Irregardless. It's completely meaningless. Because every time you start in the game in Oblivion, or Morrowind, for example. Gosh, I miss Morrowind. I still haven't finished that one. There's like hundreds of missions, hundreds of quests they haven't done. But anyway, you start in prison. And you don't know why you're in prison. But... Why is not 
why you're in prison is not really the point. It's what you do afterwards in the game. It's how you create your character, what you name it, how you act, whether you're good or you're evil or you're neutral. That really is the point. And I really love those kind of games like that. Because the video games are an interactive medium, and although there have been advances in narrative and story, if you're just pushing a button every five seconds, it's not really a game. And if you're just watching cutscenes all day, it's not really a game. Primarily, it's about gameplay. And, you know, that makes me... Which, which kind of disappoints me in the current generation of games. It's getting slightly better, but I feel like at the big, beginning of this cycle, there were too many games that focus on best graphics in the world, you know, Super HD, um, lots of pretty lighting effects, and and ray trace, and havoc physics. But the game was so simple. A PlayStation 3 game... For example, this driving game could have been done on the PlayStation 2. It could have, without the same graphics, but the gameplay is relatively the same. You hold a button to accelerate, you use a brake, and you basically you compete in races or time trials in order to become the best racer in the universe, or I don't know, whatever the goal is in those kind of games. But the, the gameplay was pretty much the same. The graphics was higher, and that really disappointed me. When you're making a next-generation game, it's not only about the graphics, but the gameplay as well. Oh, guess what? Um, Todd's, an Italian luxury firm, which primarily makes shoes and handbags, according to this website, has pledged $34 million, that's dollars and not euros, to restore the the Colosseum, the 2,000-year-old Colosseum. And they're not doing this as an advertising, an advertising thing. They're doing this mostly because of the philanthropy. Uh, they're doing this because they wanted to see um, restore. Because the Colosseum over 2,000 years has is in pretty bad shape. It's still pretty beautiful and it's wonderfully engineered and its architecture is brilliant, but it is it is sadly um, falling not apart. But it's it's sort of been neglected. You know, I hope many other. Um, companies do this. I mean, art is important, and especially great works of art, of public art, or of architecture. If they decay, then we lose a part of ourselves. And I would like to see more companies do this, not not in a an advertisement thing, as a way of showing fake goodwill, but if they do it with their hearts and they really care, then it will benefit the community. And also the long process, which I've mentioned many times in my podcast before. It's it's finished. It's done. Uh, you can watch the 25-minute um, entire film on my Vimeo website. That's www.vimeo.com. But seriously, I do love your support. And it makes me very happy to entertain people with my work. And I do like receiving feedback, so please send me a message via Twitter. That's www.twitter.com slash squidgeart. Or you can contact me via Vimeo. And also have a YouTube account. 
or you can email me directly at shysquidspeaks at gmail.com and so there's lots of ways to contact me so please email me anything you want ask me questions or as long as they're not too personal I will try to answer them on the show that's a new thing I wanted to start up I'm not sure how it's going to work I'm not sure if I'm ever going to get any emails but other than that I've been working on two different art exhibitions one is a my my imagined view of a post-apocalyptic Australia man I practiced for hours trying to say that and I still got it wrong and it's basically um, nuclear fallout type stuff some very cool sci-fi cyberpunk and a little bit of steampunk imagery for there basically it's photoshop images in very high resolution and I think I might release that and also I've got I'm planning an exhibition uh, a very personal exhibition which is based on the idea of DVD covers as art and I'm trying to take the medium in different directions I love poster design I love DVD cover design I love using different materials and so forth and I love the graphic design. I'm trying to use it as an art form, as a triptych. Uh, in other words, the same thing that Hieronymus Bosch did with his classic The Garden of Earthly Delights. Three panels, all illustrating a narrative scene of heaven and hell and purgatory. And that's basically what I'm trying to do. It's I'm having a little artistic troubles. I'm trying to use DVD covers in a way they've never been before. Uh, the art of the, the DVD slicks, as it's known, I've been trying to play with them, but sometimes it doesn't work out right, and I worried that maybe I'm taking it too easy or I'm not utilizing them enough. Um, I've got a solid concept, but the problem is, or the issue is, is how to use it effectively and how to explore it and expand it. One of my images I plan to have a figure reaching out through the back cover across the spine into the front cover, but I'm not sure if that works quite well. It's basically, um, it's computer generated uh, slash fill tip work and paint work and sort of done in a rough style. I can't speak too much about it, but yeah, it's it's a pretty personal art exhibition. Um, I'm not sure really of the dates because I haven't got a venue yet. <laughs> There's a few venues I would like to host it at, but nothing's been confirmed yet. So, um, it's been a pretty surprising year, 2011, and I feel it's going to be better and better. Well, that's pretty much what I wanted to talk about tonight. I hope you have a pleasant week or weekend uh, whenever you're listening to this. And um, I'll talk to you next time. Goodbye. That's a kiss especially for you. (laughs) Good night.